sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Welcome back to This List Sucks. I'm JB. And I'm Mike. And we are here again. (laughs) Yes. How's everybody doing? Uh, It's good to be back. We are here on a Thursday. It's not even Friday. Feels weird, doesn't it? Does it feel weird to you to be here on a Thursday? A little bit. Yeah, I was telling Katie that because I was sitting here. I was like, wait, this doesn't feel right. But (laughs) it is. Sometimes things don't feel right, and they are. Yeah. Philosophical nugget from me. It has to be right this week just because, you know, I'm a dick and I have a weird travel schedule that just screws everything up. No, no. This is, it's going to come up again and again from both of us. So, yeah. In fact, we're early this week, so we shouldn't feel bad at all. Right? And we had a lot of homework to cram in this week. We did. And I would like to think that the fact that we, we sacrificed earlier time to get this out earlier for our loyal listeners. Hopefully somebody will appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure at least one or two people will. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so, so obviously no new, no new music to cover. No new music. Because right? it's not Friday. It's not Friday, but there are a couple interesting things to talk about, okay? Um, I have one. They released the inductees for 2021 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Did you look into this at all? No, I was not aware of this. Yeah, I thought this would be fun to talk about. So I have a list here, and I'm thinking let's read it off, and we can kind of we can kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about. So, so it's not that long. It's like maybe 20 artists or less than that, actually. And uh, so this is the 2021 induction for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we have Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo. The Foo Fighters. That's kind of crazy. That I feel like that's early. Yeah, a little, right? Yeah. A little. The Go-Go's. I'm not even familiar to tell you the truth. <laughs> Iron Maiden. Oh, Kind of wow. surprising to me that Iron Maiden was not already inducted. Yeah. How was Iron Maiden? How were they left out in the cold this whole time? Yeah. Right? Good question. It seems dark. Um, Jay-Z, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame material. Holla. Yeah. Shaka <laughs> Khan. Shaka Khan. We had an album nice. from her already. Nice. Um, first one on the list that, or first one on this list that we've had from the actual list so far. <laughs> uh, Carol King. Deserving. Uh, oh, deserving I, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I love Carol King. I mean, I really, really love Carol King. I can blame my mom for that. My mom's a huge Carol King. Oh, yeah. Fan and, yeah. Tapestry. If, listen, it's, if tapestry is not on this list, I'm going to riot. I'm going to, I might storm the U S Capitol, dude. Yeah. Not, I'm not trying to predict that because I really think that tapestry is going to be on this list. But well, there's precedent for that now. now for the, for yeah. the storming of the U S Capitol. So, um, <laughs> Fela Kuti. Oh, yeah. that's, that's coincidental. JB and I were just talking about that guy earlier. So Here we were just like an hour ago. Less <laughs> LL cool. J. How is that little Cool J not? I mean, I don't know. Is this the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or is this the Music Hall of Fame? This is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, well, I think Mama Said Knock You Out is definitely a rock and roll song. <laughs> Just like 99 Problems is definitely a rock and roll song. Yeah. New York Dolls. 
Rage Against the Machine. What? Wait a minute. How the fuck was Rage Against the Machine? Not well, see, that's what I'm talking about. Is like I feel like that's a normal time schedule as far as getting inducted for Rage Against the Machine. Like, th- you know, 25 years or so after they really hit their prime. That's okay. how. That's like the time frame that most bands get inducted. So that's why I was talking about. It's kind of early for the Foo Fighters. I feel like. I mean, listen. I think it's super early for the Foo Fighters. I think from that standpoint, it's probably early for Jay Z. Right, it's not like Jay Z's not making music anymore. Yeah, that's true. To do that, but that's yeah. I I'm I'm shocked that Raging the Machine is just now getting in there. Me as well. Yeah, Todd Rundgren, he's really good. I don't know. I think we've I'm talked about familiar. him before, and you, and you weren't familiar. So I'm yes, and I'm still not familiar. I bet he's on the list. So okay. I think we'll come across him at some point. Uh, Tina Turner, that's exciting. That is exciting. And how the hell is Tina Turner not already in the Rock and Roll Hall? I don't know. Yeah. She's on some Zappa records, too, so that's fun. Um, I've not encountered that, but I would love to encounter that. uh, She's on Overnight Sensation with that song, I Am The Slime. I am the slime on your video. That's her. Um, And Dionne Warwick is the last entry. I love Dionne Warwick. Not super familiar, to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie. I do love me some Dionne Warwick. Nice. She got a beautiful voice. Right on. Beautiful, beautiful voice. So, so yeah, some good, some good solid entries. Um, Mike and I are unabashedly fish fanboys, and I can't help but notice they're still not on that list. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a source of uh, you know frustration in the fish community. Is like fish. So they literally have the like. So fish for their like I can't remember what year it was maybe 1994 1995 they for their New Year's concert they rode in to the stage on a flying hot dog like that they had suspended <laughs> in the fucking from the from the roof of the stadium and they yeah, it the was hollowed out wires basically it was hollowed out and they were riding in it and they rode it from the from way up in the back of the stadium down to the stage and that hot dog is in the lobby of the rock and roll hall of fame did you know that <laughs> yes i did know that. it's literally in there and for some reason they have not been inducted like you have one of their props as a centerpiece in the lobby but you can't put them in the fucking hall of fame doesn't make any sense and, and you could absolutely argue that fish might be one of the more prolific touring bands in the history of rock and roll probably only surpassed by the grateful dead I think. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what I was thinking too, right? Is that the dead's the only comparison. And I mean, the dead never took a, a six year hiatus either. Yeah. You know, yeah. or a five year hiatus. So I think the dead holds the record for the most, like the highest number of, pay, of played concerts. Yeah. At least they did a few years ago. I don't know if that, if that still stands today, but I don't know who would have toppled them from the top of that list. If that makes sense, you know, I mean, yeah. who's I, I can't think of any act that's as prolific as the dead were back in the day. No. Yeah. And they played in Egypt for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hallmark that takes you to the hall of fame of prolific touring is you're like, they fucking played. They, in they Egypt, played in Egypt. For God's sakes. Game over. That's the Trump card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that what was fun say? to talk about, but, uh, so I was going to ask, do you think we should hit the poll that we talked about now or save that for the end of the episode? Let's do the poll now. Let's do the poll now. Okay. Yeah. So last episode, 
me and Mike started talking about, well, we started talking about Amy Winehouse and that led right. to the comparison to Adele. Yes. For the head to head, which obviously led to a poll because we love polls. So <laughs> we decided and we're not very good at executing them, but we love them. Yeah. We have no idea like the technical details of how to, how to, uh, you know, put a poll up, but, uh, we try our best <laughs> or even retrieve results from a poll, yeah. which we both proved idiotic at that too. Take us about 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to figure it out. That's so, okay. Yeah. We got to figure it out. So we decided to pit, uh, in Adele, we decided to narrow it down to an album and we did an, an Adele record, which was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and we pitted that against back to black by Amy Winehouse. And we put a, a poll up in various locations and we compiled the results and we have there them here today locations yes um and i have not added our votes yet so before we get into the results what's your vote mike oh wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute so we have to vote before the results no i can tell you the results first if you want to wait <laughs> if you want to see no, if it's going to be a listen. swing vote situation it was it was fun to go back and listen to both those albums, which um, which I did, and I hadn't listened to Adele in a really long time, and I hadn't I hadn't probably listened to Amy Winehouse in an even longer period of time because the Amy Winehouse album is substantially earlier than Adele, right? Yeah, um, Back to Black came out in two thousand five, twenty one I think came out in two thousand eleven. Yeah, it's six years there. earlier. Yeah, so um, a pretty substantial gap in time. I hadn't listened to either one of them in a long time, and um, in a head-to-head between those albums, Adele's is a better album. Holy shit! All right. Well, it's that not, now can I can I qualify that by saying I can absolutely understand why somebody and there might even be days where I would be inclined to say that Amy Winehouse might be my favorite of the two records, or that Amy Winehouse. I could understand why somebody would say that it's better because I think that you could view how much fun back to black is. And that's how I would describe it. Cause it's a really fun album. Super fun. Yeah. But it's not as good of an album as 21 in my opinion. It's a hot take in my opinion. But no. um, you sealed the, <laughs> You sealed the vote there. You sealed the vote there because, um, so the situation for me was, uh, last week I was pretty sure I was going to say Amy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I said that during the podcast and then I started listening to both. I listened to both the records two times and there was like a period of time where I was really up in the air for, for a little while. I was unsure. And in the end I ended up, reaffirming my original opinion and I'm going with Amy for sure. Like there's no doubt about it for me. It it became clear that I'm on team Amy, but that being said, our tallies add up to six votes for Adele and five votes for Amy. So very (laughs) close, very close response. Yeah. Just (laughs) unprecedented response. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't do a very good. Yeah. Go ahead. Why, why did you end up, why did you end up voting for Amy Winehouse? And you know what? I'll preface this by saying I fucking really enjoyed that Adele album. <clears throat> In fact, I, I ended up adding it to my digital library. And there were some really, really great yeah. things about it. Some really fantastic songs. There's one song I wanted to 
talk about in particular, and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Don't You Remember? That is a gorgeous song. Do you know that one off the top of your head? Yeah. 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 Just really something special. It's basically, just it's just her voice, right? I mean, it's ostensibly her voice in a piano, if I remember correctly. Well, at the beginning, but the then... One. But then it picks up and it goes to like the, this bridge that is like there's a key oh, change, man, and it, yeah. yeah, and it's just yeah. and she just gets it on that one like she really digs in deep with her vocals, and she's it's like aggressive, but in yes. in like a pleasing way. Um, yeah, because you get like all that grit and dirt that comes out of her voice whenever she really pushes her voice, right? That's what you're referring to. And she, yeah, and she's fuck, she's fantastic. I'm not mean. Yeah. I'm not trying to detract from her in any way. But I'm kind of in love with Amy Winehouse. And uh, there's just something so timeless about her record. Like, it, it just brings you back to another time. It reminds me of, like, and my girlfriend and I were talking about this earlier. It just, like, it, it, it makes you feel like you're sitting in, like, a smoke-filled bar in New York City in, like, the 20s with, like, 40 people. And you're all just, like, sipping on drinks and listening to, like, a jazz singer. And just the the feeling I get by by listening to her record, you just it can't be topped by by Adele's record for me. Um, the songs on 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 Amy Winehouse's record are just I I, I think she's super witty. I think uh, you know her voice is really unique. And I was gonna bring up a point because her voice is like her vocal range is classified as what's a contralto. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty rare. It's the lowest female voice type. Um, and I was going to make that point as like a reason why I liked her, but then I looked it up and Adele is the same. So, <laughs> so <laughs> not really a point there. But <laughs> but to me, it does feel like her, like Amy's range is a little lower, even though they're classified the same. I, I just feel like she's at home in that lower range more so than Adele is to my ears. It's- she has a really clean aspect to her voice, which I really appreciate. And yeah. to hear a woman's voice that can go that deep but remain really, really clean whenever she goes that deep. Like, yeah. I love that. But the thing that I love most about Amy Winehouse is it's like every song to a certain extent is kind of a wink and a flirtatious smile yeah. and a joke all wrapped up in one. That's kind of what I was getting at with that with that wittiness, you know. Yeah, because it's just so smart. And me and Mr. Jones on that album. Ooh, I love that. It's really hard for me to come up like if we wanted to do a head to head in just song. I don't know that there's another song on either of those albums that I enjoy more than me and Mr. Jones. Yeah, that's and it's great. not because Amy Winehouse has better vocal prowess because. I, quite frankly, I don't think she does. Like, I think Adele is a better singer. I think she's a rangier singer. Um, and and I'm also jaded because back in the day, like shortly after 21 came out, I actually watched a live performance of Adele from the Roundhouse in London. Yeah. It was something that Apple Music put on, like they did. And it was like an hour long set from her. And I watched the whole thing enraptured because she sings and it's just as good as what she's doing on the studio album. But in between songs, she was unbelievably funny. Yeah. And you just saw all of this personality come out of this woman. And again, you know, 
she would go back to a song and you would just shake your head because of what she was doing. And then in between songs, the same endearment that I have for Amy Winehouse that Amy put into the lyrics of her music, I have for Adele because I've seen a live performance and I feel like I, I feel like she's just as witty, even though that doesn't necessarily come through on the album that she recorded in the studio. And I believe, I believe that she is. Yeah. I can totally believe that. Um, and to just to respond to what you said earlier, I do agree that I think Adele has a bigger range and I think that that she has a, she has a wider range for sure. But in Amy's range, I feel like she just has this level of control and comfortability that Adele doesn't have for me in that range at least it doesn't come through with the same level of i don't know if confidence is even the right word because nothing about adele's voice is not confident you know but i mean (laughs) like it's just there's this certain something that that the amy has in in her vocal range that i'm just i just don't get from from adele and i can't even put a word to what it is you know i understand i understand exactly what you're saying i don't fault you I think that your opinion is every bit as valid as I am. And that's kind of why I loved this head to head from the jump. This is a good one. Cause like, there's no wrong answers here. Exactly. Like everybody that voted for Adele, I think that there are ample reasons for you to have done that. And everybody that voted for Amy Winehouse, I think that there are just as many compelling reasons for those that did that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love me and mr jones such a good tune <laughs> I, yeah. I love that song. did you pick up on the uh so there's a song on the winehouse record that is literally just ain't no mountain high enough did you pick up on that no i did not yeah let me let me see if i can um look up what that one is and i can't play it here because we will get pulled off of youtube but it is tears dry on their own so that is track seven on the amy winehouse record um, it's literally what it is, and I was like, when I was musically, you're talking about it's literally it's ain't exactly no the same. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, that she changed the words, she put different vocals on it, but it's exactly the same. And I was listening to it, and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, that sounds a lot like Ain't No Mountain. And then I was like, that literally is the same thing as Ain't No Mountain. Like it has all the same parts. And I googled it, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's a thing. And if you like, you can find a Wikipedia page where they say. It's yeah. They say she basically sampled "Ain't No Mountain," but changed the the vocal melody. But changed the vocal melody. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna check that out. You should. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, as soon as you as soon as you know that, and you hear it, you'll you'll be like, okay, obviously, yeah. Nice. Very very nice. But yeah, two great albums. If you haven't checked these guys out, go listen to Adele and Amy Winehouse. And I think these are pretty much the quintessential records from each of these artists i would say yeah. personally um me too and i didn't realize I, i'm pretty sure adele's records are named after her age at the time of of recording thus far that's correct so she's yeah. 21 when she wrote this i mean that's wild and yeah when she wrote and recorded it right yeah. like that voice on a 21 year old and you can say the same thing about amy winehouse i yeah. think amy was slightly older when she recorded back to black but 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 Amy was a tiny little girl, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like the voice on her for like her frame is just, yeah, it's so bizarre. Yes, it's like it's in, inhuman almost, you know. Yeah, but wonderful, you know, wonderful. Oh, yeah. I, if you haven't if you haven't dug deep into these albums, or if you're like, um, 
like me and JB, if it's been a while, you know, if it's been a minute since you've gone back and revisited those, please do it. It's, they're so good. They're so, worth so the good. time. Neither one is very long. They're like 35-minute no. records. So Yeah, they're quick listens. You can um, hit them both in an hour. They're worth the time. Yeah. Worth the time. What do you say, my man? You want to jump in? Let's hop in. We got some bangers this week. Yeah, it was a good week. Re yeah, real, real bangers this week. Um, well, we'll start off. 425 at 425 from 1972 we listened to the debut album from paul simon debut meaning the album that he first recorded after he broke up with art garfunkel um and it's self-titled so rolling stone says simon's first solo effort after the breakup of simon and garfunkel had plenty to prove and it did with a tour de force of songcraft virtuosic guitar picking upper register vocal dazzle and vivid storytelling about sex in the song duncan politics in the song Like a River, and everyday life in New York in the song Paranoia Blues. The album also laid a blueprint the album also laid a blueprint for the fluid international fusion Simon explored further on Graceland, from the reggae of Mother and Child Reunion to the samba inflected me and Julio down by the schoolyard JB. How much did you love this? <laughs> this album is so fucking good. I was, if you said anything other than, I can't even begin to describe how much I love this album, Mike, I was going to call you a motherfucking liar and say there's absolutely no way that you just didn't adore this album as much as I did. I'm going to say it right now, when we hit 400 and we recap the past 25, it, I'd be surprised if this isn't my pick for my favorite of this of this 25. Because this, this I mean, this this is just... Paul Simon is just a is he's an alien, dude. He's he's when it comes to songwriting, I don't know where he comes from, a different fucking planet. But this is every song on this record is is fantastic. His voice is incredible. His guitar playing is revelatory. I mean, it's just it's so good. And there's so much more than that on this record too. So when they talk about like when Rolling Stone makes reference to Graceland, which yes it's hard not to think about Graceland as anything other than a world music album. Definitely. At its, at its finest. You're getting that here too. I mean, there's just, there are rich, rich layers of all kinds of not just wacky instrumentation, but just the feel of the music. Yep. And the, it's and you're getting, spectacular. You're getting hints of what, of what he fleshes out more on Graceland. And, uh, that's one of the first notes I made usually at the end of like an, when I was doing an album, I'll, I'll make like a just overall thoughts section of notes at the bottom. And that's like the first mm -hmm. note I made. That was that, uh, um, the elements of world music are already popping up here, you know, maybe not as prevalent as they are on Graceland, obviously, but, um, but they're here already for sure. Like you can tell that that was, that was something he was feeling all the way back then. So, and yeah. another thing is no disrespect to Art Garfunkel, but I wrote like <laughs> this album kind of solidified the fact that Paul was the genius when it comes to songwriting in that pair, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, um, I don't want to completely write off Art Garfunkel, but at the same time, listen, even if Art Garfunkel was really, really good, maybe that was really like an 80 20 deal right uh, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a 50 50 it At wasn't best. <laughs> you know the sum is greater than the two parts no 
Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> right. um, it was like, I need a guy to sing harmonies on Sound of Silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I loved this so... I love this so so much. Yeah, I mean, um, he's simply a genius. There's no way around it, Paul Simon. What did you What did you think about Papa Hobo? Papa Hobo. Um, there's a line I liked from that one: uh, "Carbon and monoxide, the old Detroit perfume." <laughs> I love that one. Um, it, you know, that was a great little. It was kind of bluesy a little bit. Solid yeah. chorus. Um, good acoustic guitar tone. Um, and that's a that's a song that's a song that kind of displays one of the things I mentioned, which was his his guitar playing. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul is rarely, and he that's kind of like the primary instrument he played on this record. There's a lot of instrumentation going on on this record, but he did a lot of acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. He rarely just like strums chords. He's always embellishing in some way. He has a very lead esque way of playing rhythm guitar, and that really comes out on that one. Yeah. I mean that was I liked that song. It wasn't like one of my favorite from the records, but I liked I liked Papa Hobo a lot. What I was really goading you into by asking you specifically what about that it? song is if you picked up on the fact that I think so there's definitely an accordion that's playing on there, but when I looked through on the Wikipedia to see the instrumentation on that song, um, kind of that reverby, buzzy noise that happens in that song, I'm relatively certain is what's referred to as a bass harmonica. Oh, geez. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I didn't pick up on that. But I will come out and say nothing Paul Simon does is unnecessary. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so All right, that's we perfect. We can case closed on that. Paul Simon okay. doesn't do shit that's unnecessary. So if what Paul I Simon thought it was necessary, I'm going to default to him on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's perfect. I love you owning up to that. But now, you know, maybe before next week, I do want you to go back to that and listen and try to hear if you can hear the same thing that I hear, especially with headphones. Okay. Because it's a really wild sound. Like I'm pretty certain. I mean, I know that there's an accordion on that track. And there's also reference to, they call it a, a fu- I've never even heard of a fucking bass harmonica. Yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't know there was such a thing either. And I still haven't Googled an image of one because I kind of want to, because I have this feeling that it's going to be this, it's going to be like this asshole with this giant fucking three inch harmonica that's like a foot long and he, and he has to like play it like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, to fucking play this monster bass harmonica is what I'm envisioning. Oh my god! Yeah, I haven't looked it up. That's, you, listen, if yeah. you had to pick out one song, and I told you it couldn't be me and Julio. Down oh, it can't be me and Julio down last schoolyard. Okay, it cannot be me and Julio. What would you? What would you tell people? Honestly, I love everyone, but if I had to pick one. For me, it's going to be a toss-up between... I love the intro track, Mother and Child Reunion. I did too. It's kind of reggae. Um, And Paranoia Blues. Oh, man, I loved Paranoia Blues. That bottleneck guitar on that fucking track is crazy, right? really, really good. There's only one thing I need to know. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Yeah. God, I love that so much. Um, But, uh, 
either that or or mother and child reunion or maybe maybe duncan duncan's great one of those three i loved the flute on duncan um yeah. for me though i i got super hung up on armistice day man so like, good really 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 hung up on that song and that's what i that's the one that i kept going back to and so that's the one that i settled on if i told somebody that you know listen everybody listen to this whole album that's what i'm going to lead with but if you only have time for one song man armistice day there's something special about that song i really love it it's so fucking gritty yeah and it's really really good the acoustic and you were talking so much about paul's acoustic guitar work to me that might be that might be the standout track if you wanted to hear yeah fantastic rhythm acoustic guitar work and yeah it, and he smashes yeah but i'll agree with you like if there's some really really good albums for this week but if you're gonna be like i got time to listen to one from this week I'll tell you right now it's this one you can turn the podcast off you can go on and do yeah. something else. I hate to I hate to say that because there are other spectacular albums this week, and actually, it'll be fun to talk about them because there are amazing albums. But I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. If yeah, if you if you can't listen to anything this week but one thing, yeah, I'd tell you to do this one too. I don't and know do that I'm ready to commit to this one being my number one out of this block of fifty. I can't. I'm not going to commit to that, but. I'm not gonna, gonna commit to it, but I'm gonna say I'd be surprised if it wasn't. You know what I mean? All um, right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I added it to digital. I'm assuming you did too. I did as well. I hope. Hopefully, by the time that I get back to Iowa from um, Texas, the vinyl that I've already purchased. Did you order it? Nice. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. I'm yeah. gonna. I need to go look for it, but uh, yeah. I mean. I did the same and I would love to get the vinyl. I'll be seeking it out for sure. And I, you know, we'll get more of a chance to talk about this in the future. Cause undoubtedly there's going to be more Paul Simon on this list, at least Graceland. I'm wondering if there's going to be some Simon and Garfunkel on here. Yes. Um, I mean, I think that there has to be, but, but what fascinates me and I'm sure that this is where your brain was going to on this. I love this fucking album so much. I want to know what they say is better than this. Yeah, how does it get from better? From that universe. Yeah. Awesome. But anyways, his voice. Like I said, we'll get we'll get more of a chance to talk about this, but his voice is just it's it's one in a million. It's something special. You know? It's it's like it's, powerful. It's got to be one of the best voices. Yeah. It's powerful yet like so tender. You know what I mean? Mhm. Mm yeah. It's a King Kong. I mean, it is an absolute King Kong standing on the, like holding on to the top of a building, swatting away airplanes of shittier music. This album smashes. Yeah. It's wonderful. So good. And, and for me, um, it obviously belongs on the list. I obviously added it to digital, which I can't believe I didn't know it on digital before I bought the vinyl already. And um, I would absolutely move it up. I don't know how far I would move it up. Um, I'd probably move it up north of 400. I mean, at least north of 400. I'd put it somewhere three to 400 for me. <laughs> Shit, and, I man. Could, and I reserve the right to move it up even farther. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to see what comes up, but I think you'd be hard-pressed not to put this above 300, I got to say. Mm. I feel like this is a... That's fair. I feel like this is a 200 to 250 record. Like, honestly. Wow. Dude, this is a, wow. this is really like we're getting to some really good music here, and this is like a seriously good record, you know? Yeah, I feel you. 
Yeah. Not that there is another good stuff this week, so should we should we move on? Let's do it. Let's do it. So coming in at hold on. I gotta scroll here. Fucked up guys. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> coming in at four twenty four is Bex Odelay from nineteen ninety six. Burrowing into the studio with the Dust Brothers, Beck came back with a Technicolor version of his Woody Guthrie meets Grandmaster Flash vision. I like that description. Demonstrating to all his rock peers on Devil's Haircut and where it's at, that turntables had a brighter future than refried grunge. While reminding listeners of the 60s and his own folk roots with the shabby, lovely jackass, Jackass. (laughs) Jackass. <laughs> As he told Rolling Stone <laughs> in 1997, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways. A lot of what my generation is into, what it represents, I'm totally against. So, Mike, we had a conversation last week, and you said you were kind of iffy on Beck a lot of the time. Is it? You said that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how would you feel about Beck, this? Sometimes Beck misses for me yeah. completely. What would you think about this one? This fucking album is spectacular. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I love every cut on this album and it is it is so weird and so eclectic. The DJ method in full effect on this album, but I I loved it. I mean, I literally this was another one of those albums very much like Paul Simon where uh, I guess out of I think there's like 14 tracks on this album or something like that. There were four that I didn't put stars next to. But all the rest of them, I, I mean, they're wonderful. Dude, there were, there were literally four that I didn't put stars next to either. I'd be curious to hear which were the four that you didn't put stars next to. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Wouldn't it be crazy day. if we had the same? Yes. And hopefully we won't. Okay. So I started everything up into minus was the first one without a star. I did not star sissy neck. And I did not star computer. What the fuck is that? Computer rock. Oh, the last one. Yeah, I guess yeah, there, there were nonsense. there were five that I didn't star because I didn't star computer rock either. Um, is it computer rock or computer roll? The fuck is it? I think I can't it, even read my own goddamn hand. I think it's computer rock. Okay, we'll go with that. I didn't star hot wax. I did not star novocaine. I didn't star mm. minus. And I did not star ready made. Although I didn't l- dislike those. It's just that I like the other ones more. You know? Let's <clears throat> talk about Novocaine then. Because Novocaine is one of the songs that I put three fucking Holy stars shit. next to. And you know, that could have been a thing where I just literally forgot to put a star on. <laughs> because now I'm reading because <laughs> I'm reading my notes and they're pretty positive. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Um, that was like, it had kind of like a slacky kind of hip hop drum beat to it. Yes. But the bass line on that song was totally fucking wacky. Like yeah. really, it was, it was wild. It was, <laughs> I think the best way that I can describe this is I said, what a fucking monster journey into the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I described it. And and for me, another note that I made on here is that if you're not listening to this song on headphones, it's going to sound, it's going to be a lot of trash, you know? Yeah. But, but for me, putting it on the headphones, the bass line, I, 
I loved it. It was so fucking funky and so crazy. Hmm. I mean, it was wild, man. Well, I'm going to have to listen back to that because I didn't write anything down about the bass line. But as a bass player, you know, I, I trust your uh, judgment on that. So I'm going to have to check that out. Um, sometimes, sometimes weird shit clicks. You know what I mean? And you know this. You know, sometimes you yeah. just like songs and other people can listen to the exact same song and not hear anything anything like what you hear but yeah yeah i'd be curious if you go back and listen to it and just you know maybe focus in on the bass a little bit and see if you hear the same shit that i hear yeah we'll do that absolutely so that was one there were a couple tunes throughout this record and i mean this not in a bad way at all but where it kind of reminded me a little bit of kid rock (laughs) a little bit of that and then i was like sort of like kid rocky vibes and then i was like wait cross that out it's more like kid rock has like a shitty version of beck vibes the opposite scenario oh um, so okay. i feel like yeah, so, i feel like some so kid beck rock is the original one i feel like kid rock was definitely influenced by beck i i honestly think that hmm. seriously like like uh I, I could isolate a couple sections of a couple of these songs and they sound a lot like kid rock sounds a lot like that Really? Especially some of the, like the heavier, aggressive rapping over the Rocky tunes, like like he does on Novocaine. I understand. I understand where you're coming from with that. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know who. I don't know who beget who though. At the end of the day, or if it was just two guys that were both kind of influenced in the same way by early hip hop and by early you know, by older rock and they just kind of, they both stumbled upon kind of that same shit. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I definitely like Beck's result more personally. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I know you're, I don't think we're going to encounter I know you're a big, kid uh, rock on this list. <laughs> I know you're a big kid rock fan, but I'm sorry. To... <laughs> I do love me some cowboy every now and again. <laughs> cowboy. Yeah. I'm a cowboy, baby. <laughs> with the top laid back and the sunshine shining yeah anyways we don't need to talk about that anymore <laughs> we don't have to revisit that at all actually <laughs> but uh so some of my other favorite tunes off this i mean obviously where it's at um mm-hmm. such a classic song and that just that line two turntables and a microphone, microphone. so fucking where iconic i mean it's like a cultural icon that i mean you hear that all the time. I mean, in various contexts. That's that's not the baseline on that song is completely redonkulous as well, and especially at that point in the hook, where it's like I got two turntables and a microphone. Because in the baseline, it's just bomb, bomb, but It drops. It changes keys too. It drops down a minor third when it goes into the chorus, which is oh, a really okay. cool sound. Um. But the piano line on mm-hmm. that song. Down, 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 down. <laughs> Such a simple line, but so so iconic. And that's and <clears throat> that's the kind of the hallmark of this whole album, right? Is it's a whole lot of simple stuff that in classic, you know, to use your phrase, DJ method. It's a whole lot of simple stuff that gets layered on top of layered on top of layered on top yeah. of layered. And when you put it all together, it's I, I think it's brilliant. Like I love I can't 
it's funny this was one of those albums that i listened to and i listened to it back in the day when it first came out i mean obviously everybody listened to devil's haircut everybody knows new pollution everybody knows where it's at but man my appreciation for this album as 43 year old mike versus whatever the fuck i was 20 year old mike 19 year old mike in 1996 i have so i have a much better appreciation for what beck did with right this on. record um what did you think of his rapping i think it's terrible really yeah but not in a way that i that was displeasing interesting so in other words i think he's a terrible rapper Hmm. I I'd like I don't want to hear Rick Rubin and Beck get together and do a hip hop album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't want RZA to produce the next Beck album. That's not what I want. But I think that he was. Damn, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> RZA RZA <laughs> X Beck Beck produced by Ricka <laughs> by RZA. <laughs> but uh, no, you're but not. I'm actually that. okay with the fact that he was kind of terribly rapping. It's definitely like white boy rapping, but I like it. I think he has a really solid flow, dude. And I think <laughs> seriously, I really feel that way. And uh, like, I think a lot of his lyrical writing is written for the purpose of a certain rhythmic meter being fulfilled. You know what I okay. mean? Like yeah. a lot of his lyrics are fucking nonsense in my, I mean, unless I'm, Maybe I'm just like uncultured swine and I'm just totally unsophisticated and I have no idea what he's saying, but I feel like a lot of his lyrics are just straight up nonsense. They mean nothing. At least the, yes. to me, you know, so I feel no, like I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, like the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Like that doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, <laughs> that's just me. But, uh, so I mean, that was written because it, it fulfilled a, a certain number of, syllables you know and but i think he's good at that and and yes. i and i like his i like his rapping flow personally i mean his i think that he probably approaches i think the reason why i wouldn't consider like even what he does a flow per se is because i think that he's using his voice and his words as another layer of his dj mix does that make sense yeah and no, that's definitely. why it has like that rhythmic quality to it is because to him it's just another instrument and and i and i don't necessarily i guess i don't think of jay-z as the same way like i mean his voice is definitely an instrument his flow is definitely an instrument but there's not a whole lot of smoothness per se to the rhythmic approach that beck takes to his rapping i gotcha yeah yeah but i still love it for me if you're gonna put your money on one number it's a song that won't click with everybody but I'm going to point people to Novocaine because you've already heard Devil's Haircut. You've already heard The New Pollution. Um, you've already heard Where It's At. And those are all wonderful songs. If you haven't heard them in a long time, go back and revisit them. But if you want to hear something that you're like, yeah, that never even stood out to me, but it's wonderful, I would tell you Novocaine. And my number two behind that would be Hot Wax. What do you like that's off the beaten path on this record? That's what I was just <clears throat> thinking about. Because you agree with Give me, me right? Second. I mean, everybody's fucking heard. No, everybody knows those. Where it's yeah. at, you know. And even New Pollution, like New Pollution, is a wonderful song, and I love it. But as soon as it starts playing and that sax line comes on, you're like, oh, yeah, I fucking know this song. Yeah. yeah, of course you do. No, definitely. Ramshackle, I like that one a lot. That was the second to last. 
for that nonsense instrumental one. I actually loved that too. Yeah, that was really cool. The closest thing to a ballad on this. So you know what I wrote down? That's funny because I wrote down sea change back here. Yeah. Right? Because that really speaks to what he did on the entire album of Sea Change. Like, yeah. I heard Sea Change all through that song. And that is my favorite Beck album. Really? And that that album I'm hoping is, it better be top 200. If it's not top 200, I'm going to be pissed. Do you really think? It's, a, it's the greatest breakup album of all time. I bet not, dude. I bet this is the only one on here. Fuck off. You're crazy. Oh, fuck. Is this another right, bet? It's <laughs> yeah, it's clearly fucking happening. So literally, the bet is... So the bet is, as it stood right there, is that this is the only Beck album on the list. Yeah. Fuck off. I'm in. Get Let's do it. Fuck out of here, Jesus. I want to bet big on this. Like, what, I want, whatever you, this we, is. I want to. This is me purchasing 500 GameStop calls with a strike of 1,000. Fuck me, expiring dude. Expiring tomorrow. <laughs> um, we didn't actually. Have you heard? Have you not heard Sea Change? I mean, not, not like extensively. No. Like I'm aware of it. This isn't. This isn't even a fair bet. This is. This is. I feel like it's hard to believe that an album that doesn't have where it's at, that is Beck, (laughs) is higher than this. Like I feel like that's by far his most well-known song. Don't you think? Yes, I do think it's his most well-known song, but Sea Change was not ignored critically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did you write and it down? Yes, I'm writing it down already. You're already fucked. You What's committed our, yourself at we, this point. You know, we haven't like set up, we didn't set up stakes with any of the other bets is the problem. We just made the bet. <laughs> we didn't like decide what it, we were betting. So what are, we, what are we betting? It's, like, what? No, it's just, it's all for bragging rights. It's okay. Well, it's we should okay. bet something. Like it doesn't have to be like a huge monetary value, but we should bet something. So you got any ideas? Because I got nothing for this one. I mean, we can bet something like as simple as some sort of, you know, package of white claws, <laughs> which, uh, or like Actually, a yearly, that's solid. we could bet a yearly that's subscription solid. to onlylee.com who we have okay. to, we um, are contractually obligated to mention him every episode. So, well, and the website, because he is a loyal sponsor of the show. So thank you again, um, Lee and everybody be sure to go and check out www.onlylee.com. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. Absolutely, but yeah, let's bet. Let's um, bet. A, let's bet a twelve pack well, of white claws. Okay, you got it. You got it. I'm just gonna note that on this bet too. I might win this one, Mike. Fuck off! I'm feeling Jesus, good dude, about did this. Did somebody one. just cheat on you? No, no, no. Did somebody just spoiler alert that? No, not at all. If you, I'm. I'm, I'm just feeling I'm, good about it. I'm not going to lie. If you win this bet and that fucking album is not on this list, I will. I'm going to storm the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> That's my now go-to threat um, at this point in my life is that I'm just going to threaten to storm the U.S. Capitol um, just because of the outrage that it creates. I'd like um, to alter the bet. If I win, you have to storm the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
well played. Um, okay, okay, just kidding. Listen. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. But All yeah, right, I mean, so, so I really like this one a lot, and I I did. It, it was already in my digital, and I I would do the vinyl for sure. I'm not gonna like seek it down, but I would do it for sure. And I can see it being on the list for sure. I th- I like the placement. I'm not gonna move it up. Agreed. I agreed with all that. I, um, it was for some reason I didn't have the whole album in my digital catalog, which is kind of rare for me because I hate doing single shit. And I think the reason why it ended up that way is because I put a couple of those songs on playlists that I would like play when I was out riding my bike and dumb shit like that. Um, but I, I obviously added it to everything. I'm like you, I'm probably not going to seek it out. Like I haven't already ordered it, but at the same time, if I stumble it across it, you know, at Marv's in the new rack, yeah, I'm going to pick it up because I really, really love it. And I think it's one of those records that you could put on at just about any time. And you're not going to piss anybody off by playing that music. And quite frankly, you're going to find, it's going to make people tap their toes. Right. Really. Everybody's going to dig it. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. yeah, it's pretty accessible. Really. Very much so. Very much so. So I loved it. All right. Yeah. 423. Let's do it. 1997. The uh, artist is Yolatengo, and the album is I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. So Rolling Stone says, in rock as in life, breakups get all the attention. Successful marriages tend to generate fewer headlines. But Yola Tango, the long-married couple of Georgia Hubley and Ira Kaplan, plus bassist James McNew, is a testament to figuring it out together. The band's 1997 masterpiece is indie rock at its most joyfully exploratory with deeply catchy fuzz jams, some Casio keyboard bossa nova, a cover of the Beach Boys' Little Honda, and Autumn Sweater, a stone-cold classic that turns organ, percussion, and shy murmuring into something mesmerizing and beautiful. JB, what did you think about this? I had never heard Yola Tango before this week. Had you? No. Yeah. Um, So one thing I will say right away that I totally agreed with is so apparently this is kind of a critic band. Like what I mean by that is they didn't achieve, achieve a lot of mainstream success with the general public, but they are consistently highly rated by critics, you know, which critics are a different breed really than the average. But, uh, and one of the quotes I read by the critics that I really agreed with was that, Yola Tango manages to take like every aspect of pop music and expand on it in a pleasurable way. So like mm-hmm. they do all these different kinds of like, like there's, there's pop punky stuff here. There's just indie rock stuff here. There's shoegaze stuff. There's psychedelic stuff. And they're able to latch on to each of those, you know, vibes and kind of expand upon it in, in an interesting way. Um, so I like this one a lot. I really did. I'm, I'm, I did. Yeah, I did too. Um, I, th- it's funny that you mentioned shoegaze because I want to say really early on in the podcast, that was a phrase that maybe you threw it out there or maybe I was talking to somebody else and, and the phrase shoegaze came up and I'd never really heard that term used before as a genre of music. Yeah, I, think but I, then, I think I brought it up. Yeah, and and then when other people describe other bands that they consider shoegaze, um, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it kind of, like, the term clicked with me. And that's, I felt that really, really big time with Yola Tango. And it wasn't, it, that's not meant in a bad way at all. 
I really, really, I really loved it. I mean, I really loved it a lot. The easiest way to describe shoegaze is go listen to Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. Do you know that record? Yeah. Because that's going to be on the list. That's going to be top 200. I bet. I'm not going to make another bet right now, but, but uh, <laughs> um, I would, I'm pretty sure it's going to be top 200. Love. It's just a very consistently highly rated record in the critic world, which is yeah. what the people are that compiled this list. So um, yeah. uh, that's, that's shoegaze right there. Like the, the good way to describe it is just, it's, it's called shoegaze because like theoretically the person is staring at their feet, messing with all their effects pedals, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and cause it's just very heavy effects, lots of distortion, lots of reverb, lots of delay, lots of, you know, phasers and, you know, flangers and all this kind of crazy sounds. Uh, and the vocals get kind of buried in the mix a little bit, but it's intentional because that's the genre, you know? Yeah. And that's it's not this is not entirely shoegaze. No. Right? From the from that standpoint of like buried vocals and tons and tons of different effects. Cause it because I don't think that it was quite that heavily produced, but there were there were moments throughout this record, which is a pretty long record, by the way. I mean, this is almost an hour long. I'm not saying that as a pejorative. It didn't feel that way to me because I enjoyed the journey that they take you on from the start to the finish of this thing. But there's definitely, like you said, right? It bends genres a lot. You wind up with some things that feel really, really psychedelic. And then you find other things. I found the phrase ambient kind of come up a lot like in my descriptions. Yeah, Not all of them because there's definitely rockers in here too. Sugar Cube. Sugar Cube is like, that's, and that might be where you were thinking about kind of that pop punk type of sound. That is the one. Yep. And, but it's also a little shoegazy. But mm -hmm. as far as the big shoegazy song was Deeper Into Movies. That's a straight up shoegaze tune. That was track five. Um, and that was actually one of my favorite ones. See, the vocal mix, the vocal mix crushed me on Yeah, that. because it's so buried. Because that's yeah. that, that's shoegaze. That's a shoegaze thing. Is like you could almost, it, and that's intentional. You know, that's very intentional. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it because it creates. You know what kind of reminds me of speaking of last week, uh, Husker Do. A lot of that stuff was so buried, and I know you didn't like that stuff, but uh, it, it, and this and I think I think the reason why I it wasn't as off putting to me. I mean, that wasn't one of my favorite tracks deeper into movies. It wasn't one of my favorite ones, but it wasn't as off putting as Husker do because this felt more artistic. And I know that that's a really like shitty thing to say, <laughs> but it did like this, just this felt more, this felt more intentional and Husker do. It seemed like the vocals were buried because Either they just didn't give a shit or they couldn't afford to bring the vocals. Well, I don't think there's a problem with that because Husker Du is not artistic. Husker Du is aggression put and into energy. sound, you know? But yeah. Yola Tango is nothing if not artistic. So that that's not a bad way to put it at all. I, I don't okay. think that's a, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I loved Deeper Into Movies. That was one of the few tunes that I three-starred. So, oh, man. That that's one... Crazy. The other one for me that I loved the most was Autumn Sweater. Okay, I I I also enjoyed Autumn Sweater, but if I'm if I'm going purely based on my star system, 
And actually, let's talk about Autumn Sweater because the voice on that song is flawlessly perfect. Yeah. I mean, really, really perfect. Um, the bass line reminded me a lot of U2. It reminded me a lot of U2, but not in a bad way. So that's something really I wanted to talk about. Okay. Is the bass playing. Yeah. I feel like this entire album is a master class in, in indie rock bass playing. Like mm. specifically. Like specifically indie rock. Like it's just that was like I, I probably wrote about the bass line on the first four or five tracks and then I was just like, All right, I gotta stop writing about it. They're all good. Like <laughs> this bass player is fucking incredible. Noted. Let's move on and talk about other things. So like that's one of the, the biggest things for me is that this bass player was really good. And if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into the, you know, the analysis side and, and if, you know, bass playing and if you're a bass player for sure, obviously listen to this and listen to the bass player. He's really, really good. Like it's just, I'm with you. and he's specifically with the indie rock style. It's a masterclass. Like, like these, the kind of motifs and ideas that, that he uh, comes up with, with his bass lines come up in a lot of indie rock. Yeah. Which comes after this. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, really loved it. My favorite track was probably "We're an American Band." Yeah, I loved that song, which is not a cover. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, it's that like we're an American band." Who who is <laughs> who is that by? Um, I, oh fuck. It's not like fucking Leonard Skinner or something like that. No, 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 no. I just read. I was reading a Reddit post about it was in the fish subreddit about a kid because fish covered that song in Omaha at an Omaha show. Oh, it's and grand some, funk. Where about? Sorry, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. No, 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 no. You're fine. It was driving me nuts too. And I was just going to tell the story while I was trying to think about what fucking band it was. I do want to hear the story. I, I apologize for interrupting. You said you were in the fish subreddit and some kid was talking about, and then I interrupted you. He'd gone, he'd gone to a show. He'd gone to a show in Omaha. It was like 94, 95. They played an American band. They played American band at it by Grand Funk. And he went home and he was worried that his dad was going to be pissed at him because he was out until like two o'clock in the morning. But the next morning, um, his dad asked him kind of snarkily, how was the concert? And the kid led with, well, they played an American band by Grand Funk because his dad was a huge Grand Funk fan. And the kid um, was basically like, yeah, my dad absolutely turned a corner and he was thrilled that they played Grand Funk at the show and he wasn't pissed at him, even though he got home. <laughs> <laughs> Saved by the Grand Funk. That's awesome. Dude. Exactly. Saved by the Grand Funk. That's right. I love it. <laughs> um, I loved that song, though. And it's funny because I made a note on there. That song, the bass is um, it's pretty distorted, which normally I'm not a fan of distorted bass on there. But I really, really loved it. And it's not really like, it's not the bass distortion that I hate, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, but it was definitely, there was some type of effect on there that that created a little bit of a chunk to that bass line. Which yeah, no, for sure. I described as distorted. It's not really distorted bass though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, it's more, because I wrote, it was more like aggressive finger picking more than it was like, it wasn't a distortion effect. It, it was, it was distorted because of the, the force that he was playing with. That, that makes make sense. sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense because I kind of wrote the opposite. Like I wrote distortion on the guitar, but a clean bass, but 
I'm sure. So go back and listen to it, and especially around the choruses. I'm not talking about a pedal affected, distorted bass, but what I'm talking about is finger picking that is so aggressive that it creates distortion through the pickup. Overdriving the overdriving the amp due to the or the pickup due to the aggressive playing. I get that. Yes. Um, yeah. For some reason, and the, I love that. <laughs> like yeah. I love it when somebody's trying to fucking get after it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not easy to do on a bass. No, it's not. For some reason, the vocals on that one kind of reminded me of the Fleet Foxes. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy because I actually made that note in a few different songs. Did you really? It, nice. Yes, that it sounded just like Fleet Foxes. In fact, now I want to now I want to find out where I wrote that because I I explicitly wrote on one of these songs that it um that it it wasn't shadows, Foxes. was it? Um. No, but the trumpet on Shadows was crushing. I'm such a sucker for horns, which I've said multiple, multiple times. But The reason I ask is because I thought I wrote down on Shadows that it sounded like the Flaming Lips. Oh, really? You thought that? On Shadows, yeah. I loved her voice on that. Yeah. Man, I loved her voice. So she's and it was super concise. Like it was and that's the weird thing about this album is this album had every mix of like some songs were just so simple, so short, so concise and then other songs they really just they created like these weird meandering um lines in them and melodies and stuff in them. Yeah, um I can't find it. No, no big deal. But uh what's I going to say? Shit. Um What'd you think of Green Arrow? I loved it. It was it was it kind of sat in the middle to me. I almost gave it three stars, but I gave it two. But I loved the instrumental, the reverb. Holy fuck, man! Just like dripping in reverb through that thing. It's like a gorgeous soundscape, is what that one is. And it's almost like on that one, it's it's like song is kind of a generous word. It's more of a yes. soundscape. It's not even really a song. Um, yes. It's just like a guitar with a bass guitar in the background and the guitar is playing lines that are actually reminiscent of sound of silence like the the sound of, like from sound of silence like they basically yes. quote that line uh probably not intentionally or anything but it sounds just like that you know yeah no i loved it i loved it i um i added it to digital I don't know that I would ever find this album, but if I did, if I if I did run across the vinyl, I would. I, I certainly would. I would buy it. I'd buy it. I would buy it too. That's this. I made a similar note, and I did. I added to digital as well, and I wrote. I mean, I can see it being on this list, especially with how highly critically acclaimed it is. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, what do you think about the placement? Are you okay with the placement? Would you would you maybe drop it? I mean, I could be convinced to drop it. I couldn't probably be convinced to raise it. But I'm not yeah. unhappy with its position. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. So, yeah. Good one. Good one. Worth checking out for sure. Um, I'll be curious to hear some more of that band. Although I hear that this is their most successful works. Is that right? Is that album? So this could very well end up being the only thing that we see from Yola Tango. Almost certainly, I would say it's going to be the only one. 
Yeah. Well, I, listen, if I, because I know that I've been to festivals where Yola Tango has played, but because I had no clue what the hell they were, I didn't even bother. Um, really? Digging, yeah, digging in or looking at them. And unquestionably, if I ever get the chance to see them, I'm going to. Um, and Definitely. I will dig out, I'll dig out more of their catalog too. For sure. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Should we move on? Let's get it on. Oh, damn. I like what <laughs> you, you like that? I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah. So, coming in at 422 is Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. <laughs> you could have guessed. From 1973. Uh, from Rolling Stone. I mumble things into the microphone, Gay said. I don't even know what I'm saying, and I don't even try to figure it out. If I try, it doesn't work. If I relax, those mumbles will finally turn into words. On this album, those words turn into meditations on the gap between sex and love and how to reconcile them. Songs like Just to Keep You Satisfied and You Sure Love to Ball are some of the most gorgeous music of his career. You sure love to ball. You sure love to ball. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Right. We, we love Marvin Gaye on this list sucks. This fucking whole album, dude. This whole album is so crazy. And one of the things that I love, I couldn't wait to talk about this, is do you think that this will be the only album where the lead track to side A gets a reprise on side A? <laughs> Yes, I do think that. Because <laughs> I think that's probably how, the only album where that's ever happened. <laughs> how classic is that shit, right? They're like, God damn it, dude. Let's get it on. It's so good. Um, we got to fucking play it again. <laughs> well, and really what that sounded like to me, and tell me if you feel the same way. Let's get it on as originally recorded 10-minute track. But then when it was all said and done, they were like, all right, you know what? We got to edit this because we can't have a 10-minute track. And then they got done editing it, and that created "Let's Get It On." They're like, "This shit is fire." I like it that. Is fire. I like that a lot because but then they took everything that fell onto the cutting room floor and they re-listened to it again after they put the album together, and they're like, "Fuck, we can't, like, we can't just leave this off the album. What the fuck are we gonna do with this?" And then they're like, "You know what? Let's keep getting it on. Let's keep getting that shit on." Track four. <laughs> We're going to just do the same. You know what? I think it's good because it made the whole first side feel like a medley. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. I'm with you. And that, it made me wonder if maybe on the first pressing of this LP, did they put, like, were there breaks in this? I'd almost like to see this record cut with, like, no track breaks in between or maybe minimal track breaks to see if you could create like a suite of let's get it on. Yeah. Um, speaking of that though, I mean, that's just what a crazy song. I mean, probably one of the most famous soul funk songs ever written. Wouldn't you think it's instantly recognizable and it's instantly recognizable. Even if you stripped away everything with the exception of the guitar track, it, I was going to say, if you just play that first don't 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 you're just like everyone's like oh yeah i know that song don't you yeah, don't need to go song. any further right away yeah yes i mean it's yeah it's an instant classic um, definitely that is the quintessential what i would call porn guitar sound mm -hmm. 
right? Bound I mean, chicka wah wah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's the wah and, and it's trebly and it's yeah. 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 There's that song is just it's brilliant. It's brilliant. The rhythm playing is tight. Um the guitar sound is classic and Marvin Gaye. Giving yeah. yourself to me could never be wrong. I, I even love that like that bridge there. You know, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um the vocals are ridiculous, obviously. I mean, just just everything about it is good. Um and as there's far not as, a single there's not a single song that I didn't put a star next to. This whole album They're all good. 30, yeah, 33, 34 minutes. This one, this is just like Paul Simon to me. Um and yeah, you just go and just put it on. Listen to the whole thing. My second favorite song, other than I'm not counting Keep Getting It On. I'm counting that as just yep. as one with Let's Get It On, which just yep. for those who aren't aware, Keep Getting It On is, is the reprise that Mike was was referencing. Um, <laughs> is uh, My second favorite song is, is your sh- You Sure Loved a Ball, which is the seventh track on side two. I was right there with you. Um uh, you sure love to ball, and I love Distant Lover too. The track right before, so you good sure too. Yeah, ball. yeah. I gave both of those. I gave both those like two stars, if you will. Everything else, everything else was starred, but those two definitely stood out to me. Distant Lover and You Sure Love to Ball. Yeah. Um, you sure love to ball was the one that. So there's like this, there's like a female like sexually moaning at the mm-hmm. beginning of it. And I was reading. I guess that's like maybe one of the first times that that ever happened in, in music. It, like where someone did something like that, like yeah, where they brought in like the the sexy chick moaning as if like she's the getting, sex noises, as if the boning is happening, as if it's currently yeah being yeah being laid. But uh, Solid. uh, I feel like you hear that a lot these days, so it's like not a shocker at all. But imagine like at the time, that was the first like you put this record on, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like that girl well, is. Let's- that Let's woman be is super having clear, sex. though, JB, because <laughs> when you first put this record on, the very first thing that slaps you across the face is, "Let's get it all." <laughs> so, <laughs> so by the time that you get to track six or seven and you start hearing the woman moan, you can't really. You're be not that, that shocked, surprised, right? yeah. You can't. Bl- you only have, <laughs> if only yourself to blame at that point. <laughs> uh, okay, let me ask you this question though: Out of all the instrumentation on "You Sure Love to Ball," who's your MVP? And you can't say Marvin Gaye's voice. The bass. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Did you notice the harp? Yeah, I wrote that down as well. But the the bass playing. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna note that like one thing I loved about this record, like the first couple songs, the bass playing is really restrained, and you know there were like two to two or th- at least two different bass players on this record. Yeah, James Jamerson was one of them. Um, but like. There were a couple, like I said, there are a couple different bass players, and the and, and the first few songs, the 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 bass style was was like pretty restrained, and then songs like you sure you sure love to ball, it was not restrained at all. It was very fill heavy, mm-hmm. and it was you know it was very explorative, and so I pr- appreciated that about the record, which is that I mean I listen to the bass a lot because I'm a bass guitar nerd, and uh, just the varying style I appreciated a lot. It was funny because it felt like they were willing to let they were willing to let different instruments in the backup band kind of be the star of different songs alongside his voice. And so the first part of the album, I felt like the guitar 
was like the co-star um alongside yeah. Marvin Gaye and then as the album worked on that's when you started they started to let the bass come forward they started to let some other instrumentation kind of take the stage alongside him yep absolutely yeah that yeah. kind of sums up what I was trying to say yeah. but you said it in a yeah. better way <laughs> I love I love that track though you sure love to ball I really really love and then um there was such a nice on Distant Lover, the track right before that, there was this. I referred to it as a light pocket, and if that and if that makes sense to you, it was like the strings just kind of the way that the strings interplayed with his voice and the pocket from the rhythm section. It wasn't like this deep, deep pocket that they kind of slipped into. It was just really light, and it was it was beautiful. And I loved the that vocal was a, layers that he recorded on that too. Yeah. And specifically in like the latter half of that song, his vocals had this gorgeous like desperation to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he just yeah. really was getting after it and you could tell he was kind of laying it all out there for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think I know let what me, you're talking about. Yeah. Let me ask you something though. So this was recorded in 1973. The very first Marvin Gaye album that we heard on the list was Hear My Dear, which is famously his divorce album. Yep. Recorded in 1970. Was it 77 or was it 79? 78 or 79. Okay. I think it I was 78. I love the description here. And it's it's weird to think back on Marvin Gaye's life, like his personal life through his music. But that's where this album to me gets... Um, it gets really crazy if you think about it from the con from the context of what Rolling Stone tries to throw out here right um those words turn into meditations on the gap between love and sex and how to reconcile them and which is what he I talks about go ahead well i was just keying in on that word reconcile right because if marvin gay is going through a nasty divorce in like four or five years from now um i mean is this like is this him again musically exercising demons um of of kind of a rough marriage because if you read about their marriage, it was really tumultuous. He was married to Barry Gordy's older sister, Anna Gordy Gay. And um, yeah, I mean, their marriage, it sounds like, was a fucking ride, like a really crazy ride. And when you think about just the lyrics and the content of this album in relation to when his marriage ultimately dissolved, um, you know, is this a man that's going into a studio and just microphone i think we called it like microphone psychology or some some shit like that is what we referred to it as in one of those early episodes yeah like or, yeah this, recording yeah. studio therapy yeah studio <laughs> therapy that's what we called it and is this the is this the same thing just in a slightly earlier stage i think in so marriage? and i think it's particularly apparent on just to keep you satisfied i mean laughably almost <laughs> like because he's talking about his wife i assume because he was married at the time and he's talking about a woman that he's having sex with. So I was, I mean, I assume he's not singing about some other random woman. When he's married. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, about a side piece. He's talking about, and this is particularly where they, where they, what Rolling Stone was referencing. I would say when they talk about the gap between love and sex, because he's complaining about his wife's jealousy and bitching literally is the word he used. He's That's like, right. He complains about her bitching, but he said he forgets it all when he's in bed with her. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I'm like, well, this is a fucking hint towards the divorce situation and the here, my dear, 
Thing. Hear my dear coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much what I wrote. I wrote LOL. Hear my dear. <laughs> <laughs> I made I made some very similar notes on that same exact song. So yeah. it's um it's crazy though. I mean, it's crazy to think about just his whole life, you know, including like his death and everything that happened after his divorce. And it's Do you know about like, his death? What, I get. what was that? Do you know about his death? Yeah, you don't know? About him getting shot by his own dad? Well, yeah. yeah. Like, trying to break up his fight between his parents, though. Yeah, that's like, so that's fucking crazy, shot. though. It's actually kind of a baller death. I mean, it's unfortunate, but... I mean, he got shot by his dad with a gun that he bought for his dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... It's fu- It's super dark. It is really, dark, really but dark. it's a little bit cool at the same time. Like... <laughs> It's definitely rock star. Kind like, of rock star, a, right? Kind of baller to get super shot rock star by, way to die. Yeah. Super rock star way to die. I mean that in I a good way. Album. Yeah. I loved um I, I added it because I didn't have it in my digital catalog. I haven't looked for it yet on Discogs or on vinyl, but I'm gonna pick it up on vinyl. Um I already I already have um I already have uh what's going on on vinyl. I'm going to pick this up. And, and again, if I can find here, my dear, I'm definitely picking up here, my dear on vinyl. Did you like here, my dear more than this? No, not musically. Um, I, I feel like they're both on par musically, but here, my dear, here, my dear is it's, it's hard. It's hard to listen to just knowing what he was going through. You know what I mean? Um, and so from that standpoint, I did enjoy this album more because I think that you could, I think, you, I think that you could read different things into this album. The only thing that you're reading into here, my dear is fuck, man, this guy is fucking pissed and he really <laughs> dislikes his soon to be ex-wife or his ex-wife. You here know, my dear is kind of comedy though, too. Very much so. Right. Very much so. But this is, this doesn't have any of that. And this is just, this is just beautiful, just beautiful, raw emotion. Agreed. So. Yeah. I love it. Um, let me I ask might, you this. I'd probably move it up, honestly, depending on what lies ahead of this in the next 50 to 75 albums. I, I like. I would feel comfortable with this album being at 350. I wouldn't yeah, be mad about that. Not opposed at all. How high do you think what's going on is? Well, I already know. Oh, do you know? I do know how high what's going on is because I, I spoiled myself by kind of researching snubs and stuff like that. So I already know. Do you want me to spoil it for you? Is it not on here? Do, tell me if it's not on here. No, it is absolutely on this okay, list. Okay, I figured. Don't tell me then. I bet it's high. I bet it's top. I bet it's I bet it's above 150. <laughs> is it? Yes. Okay, don't, don't tell me beyond that. <laughs> I won't tell you anymore. I promise. Um, so yeah, so, um, so no, knowing that that's knowing that that's coming up still. Um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be uncomfortable moving this thing up. Loved it. Listen to the whole thing. Another 30 minute album, super easy to get through and masterwork, masterclass yep. and voice. Assuredly. Want to get to the last one? Let's do it. Yeah. We only got one more 421 from 2005. The artist is MIA. The album is Are you? I knew that I was going to fuck that I'm up. I'm glad I didn't have to pronounce this one. Arular is what I'm going to call that. And I mispronounced it. I'm really sorry. It's MIA's debut album. Rolling Stone says, what's the opposite of a girl next door? Perhaps it might be a radicalized, globalized pop star like MIA. 
an English Tamil writer who provocatively questioned and deconstructed ideas about power and rebellion throughout her first album. She raps and cajoles in hard chopping cadences. I bungle with my lingo indeed and mixes jokes, disses and political insight about the abuse of authority over electronic beats that can sound like New York City electroclash or Brazilian funk. And her hipster hit Galang hit as hard as any hip hop around the time. So I want to apologize to everybody on the outset because I, when I first saw this album, I was super excited because I thought that this was the album with Paper Planes on it. That's actually her her next album released in 2007. Yeah, it came um, right after this. Kala. Yeah, and it's funny because after I did my cold listen of this one, I was like, oh, fuck, it's not on here after all. Which album is it on? And then I went through and I did a cold listen to Kala as well. And I'm really glad that they selected this album. So you don't think Kala's on here? Man, I'd be honestly, I'd be shocked if it was. Really? Did you listen to them both too? Did you no. do the same thing? No, I didn't no. listen to Kala. But you're more familiar with Kala? Mm, no, I'm more familiar with Paper Planes. <laughs> because that was, <laughs> to tell you the truth, that, was, that song was like huge when I was like a junior in high school. Yeah. So we all listened to that song, but we didn't, we didn't listen to the record. So I, I don't know did you any start, other song. Did you start that listening to that song because you guys watched Pineapple Express? No, before that. Oh, okay. Nice. But then it was on there. Yeah. Yeah. See, that was my first exposure to MIA. Yeah. No, that was funny because was, when that movie came out, we all Pineapple were... Express and Paper Planes coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it was more of like a fun thing. Like, in fact, I remember we were all listening to that song and then like maybe six months or so later, Pineapple Express came out and we saw it and we were like, oh, fuck yeah, we love that. You know, but like, um, so that, but, the, but I didn't know any other song off that record. So, and I, I never yeah. have listened to any other MIA. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about this one. What did you, what did you think about it? Honestly, pretty solid. Um, it, this one took me a little while to come around on the first listen. I wasn't in love with it. The first listen. And the reason for me is like her rapping voice. While cool. It starts to wear on me after a few tracks, like specifically her way that she, it's kind of like the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, yes. I can't think of any, I was trying to think of like a way to verbally describe that. And I can't think of one. So I, I just had to try to imitate it. But that thing that she does, she does it all the time and yes. it's like it gets to be too much for me but after listening to it twice it, it wasn't which weirdly you'd think it would bother me more the more i listened to it but like <laughs> it, it bothered me less and um there were things that i found that i loved a, a lot about the songs that totally made up for it specifically i love the combining of edm with world, the world music you know thank you like the yeah. the world drumming combined with EDM is really cool and unique. I didn't know how to describe what she does with the beats and the feels of the song, but you just nailed it. Yeah. You literally nailed it because it was really kind of that early EDM or kind of dance type sound. But if you mash that together with legitimate world music kind of like what you're getting in graceland and like that later paul simon stuff that's that's mia 
And then yeah. that's what she does. And then she wraps over the top of it. And I actually, I love, um, I loved, lyrically, I loved this album. Like, I loved what she was doing. Um, and I paid really close attention to the lyrics, especially after I did my cold listen. So I knew what the songs were. I knew what the song sounded like, you know, so I so I could already kind of appreciate that beat and I didn't have to focus in on the beat and what she was doing with all the world stuff. I could focus in on what she was saying. And yeah, I, man, she got, she's got really, really, she's cool. She's smart. She's educated. Like, and I like what she's talking about and I like what she's trying to do just in terms of her message about, listen, let's pick up the poor. Let's take care of people. Let's, you know, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, I certainly like that sentiment, but I found it really hard to understand a lot of her, vo her lyrics. <laughs> I hate to say she is. Um, so. No, she is super hard to understand, and that's why, like I said, when I sat down to take notes on this, I was probably reading just as much as I was. You listening. were reading the lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. because this was a record that surprisingly, like, let's talk about this. So Paul Simon only has two songs because remember i do most of my listening on apple music i do i do have access to spotify so if there's an app if, if there's an album that's not on apple music but it is on spotify and we've had a couple of those where i've had to intentionally go to spotify to listen to a record mm -hmm. um then i will default to apple because that's kind of where I've, I've built my digital collection of stuff and so apple has this lyrics feature where um, songs will either just show you all the lyrics and you got to kind of scroll through and listen, or they almost have them that will bounce through karaoke style. So as the lyrics are happening, they'll, they'll scroll through. So literally all you have to do is stare at your phone and every single song on this record had the scrolling lyrics. And so nice. I could literally just kind of listen to it and read what she was saying. And, um, and it's, it's good. Like, it's really, really good if you can kind of get over the accent and get over her inflections and the way that she uses voice inflections on some words because it is bizarre and it is different. She has a really, really different cadence to her. Um, but it's good. Like, it's good lyrically. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, I feel like I didn't really give it the full effort there because I should have... There were a couple tunes that I, that I looked at the lyrics for, but the tunes I looked up weren't necessarily political. Um, yeah. So like, I, I feel like I looked up like, what's the one where she's talking about? Like you wrecked my home. Which one is that? <laughs> that's a uh, dude. I know. I think I know what you're that's, talking that's, about. You are, a, right down. you are a cutie. Um, Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, that yeah, one yeah. wasn't necessarily political, but I looked at the lyrics up on that one, but like a lot of the others I didn't, and I feel like did I maybe who, should have. Did you see who produced that? Diplo? Quincy Jones. Oh, was it? Oh, really? Quincy Jones produced You Are a Cutie. Okay. That's awesome. Diplo was on a couple others. Yes. Yes, Diplo was on a couple of others. And I also made note on um, on MIA, she makes, um, she, ma she makes multiple Nokia references before Nokia became a meme stock. Way before she was, yeah, way before she was diamond handing <laughs> it back in the day, dude. <laughs> yeah, she was actually repping Nokia when there was something to rep about Nokia. That was actually a <laughs> hidden track. Did you know that? 
Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. The MIA that was not like when it's on digital, it shows up. But it, but originally it was like a hidden track. But originally it was hidden. That's very cool. That was Diplo. Um. So that song oh, that reminded. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That song reminded me a lot of Paper Planes, actually. So that song kind of reminded me of what was to come with her. Yeah. I love $10, though. Um, her first verse in there is fucking fire. And at the very end of that first verse, um, she raps about how she's going to come after you like Uma, which is a reference to the Kill Bill movies. Fucking love it. Like, really, really dope. I love it. Uh, the beat wasn't my favorite, but I loved the fucking story of $10. What love can I get story. for $10? Anything you yes. want. Want what can I get for ten dollar? Anything you want. Yeah, it's fucking really, really good. That that one was cool because it like it had that 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 hook that was like, oh 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 oh, oh hey hey, oh oh oh. And it was like it's very rhythmic based. It kind of reminds yes. me of not in style but in the, that concept reminds me of the Beck thing, which is like sure it's rhythmic based. It's not necessarily because of what whatever the content of what she's singing is not what's important. It's the fact that it fits a meter. You know. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely with you there. Um, I like her. Vo- I like her rapping though. She has a, she has a cool voice. Like I said, it, it can wear on me after a while, but I don't. I don't dislike it at all. This album has a very eclectic sound. You know, it, it's 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 all over the place in a good way. I certainly think about. Um, I think about Bad Bunny. I think about um, Manu. Uh, Manu Chow. I think about um, I think about some of like those albums that we've already appeared on this list, right? And within the context of everything else that they've put on this list, I actually like this. Like I like this selection. Um, I will say this: um, MIA is an anti-vaxer. I don't support anti-vaxxers. <laughs> like, fucking come on, MIA! Like get on board. Like is she just, really. Please. Yeah, she is like, and don't don't let that don't let that COVID? change you. What was that? Specifically, a COVID anti-vaxxer, or just before that? Well, she became an anti-vaxxer before that because she had to get her child vaccinated to go to public schools in New York, and she says that you know three weeks after her child received um, her their vaccinations, that their child became really really sick, and they had to get prescribed other drugs to try and treat it, and she blames the vaccines from what I gathered. And so now she doesn't like, she doesn't support COVID vaccinations. And it's just like, it's not that she doesn't support them. She just wants people to be able to have a choice, I think is what it's coming down to. And mm. that's fine. Everybody should just choose to get the fucking COVID vaccine. <laughs> Seems like a, the right call. So sorry. We're, we're, we will, we will venture away from this. Um, no, nothing did, wrong with that. Uh, um, I can take a I'm position okay with this. Well, I'm actually not okay with the spot on list. I'd probably move it down. I don't know that it needs to be as high as it is, but I do think it's enjoyable, and I do think that people should check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad I listened to it. I said with the list, I'm pretty iffy with it being on the list. And I'm okay with that too. And I added it to the to digital, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. And I'll listen to it again. Um, not going to get the vinyl, but... I did add it to digital and I will listen again, but with the snubs that we've encountered so far, you're not going to convince me that this belongs on the list. So 
Yeah, rel- listen, relative to snubs, there are, yeah, there are already, I would kick this album off in a heartbeat if you told me that I could put Alice in Chains on here. Yeah, yeah I would. But there's a bunch of other albums too that I would like. I would get rid of Juvenile to add Alice in Chains before I got rid of this album to add Alice in Chains. Oh, certainly, yeah. I would get and rid of Juvenile and add the Paper Planes album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so from that standpoint, you know, I'm, I understand why you feel the way that you feel, but at the same time, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I would, I would move it back. Um, I wouldn't have it this high. And I would certainly kill it um, if it meant that I could add some other albums that are definitely not on this list. But but relative to other albums on this list, I'm okay with it being on here relative to everything else that we've encountered. I would probably just move it back because yeah. there's no way that this album is ahead of Paul Simon. <laughs> you know? Holy shit, it is ahead of Paul Simon. I just, I didn't even like put that together in my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, this fucking, fucking. So they're crazy. saying that MIA is better than Paul Simon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fuck this list. Album. Dude, this list is terrible. <laughs> I guess there's a fucking reason we made this we started this podcast. Yeah, and there's a reason why we call this podcast This List Sucks because this is just a this it's a garbage I mean, list. <laughs> it's fucking hot trash. I mean, yeah. hot trash when you think about just that with hot, the hypocrisy wet within this week. Trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's bad. Very hot. Um, but all that being said, I yeah, I had it to digital. I'm not going to buy it on vinyl, and and I'll listen to it again. Yeah, you are a QT. Yeah. Well, what was the next said. line? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I forget what the words were, but that was catchy. I what it was. Yeah. Um, good tune. Check it out. But for me, again, I hate to go back, but if you're going to pick one record from this week, do Paul Simon. Just do Please it. Please do Paul Simon. If you haven't heard yeah. it. If you have heard it, then do. If you've heard, if you haven't heard Beck, then do Beck. But if you've heard Beck and Paul Simon, do Yola Tango, because you've definitely heard Marvin Gaye. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. The the artists that you've probably most likely never heard um, that you need to from this week, I would say, is Yola Tango. Yeah, you know, because that's that's not it's not the most common artist going. You probably haven't listened to it. And and I mean, maybe you have, but maybe you haven't listened to that song or that album because it's back in 1997. Yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Yep. Absolutely do it. So next week, uh, we're going to be back. I think we're going to be back to our regularly scheduled Friday evening. Yes. I think what we'll have to do, but with, I'm, I'm still not going to be, I'm not going to be back in the, in the DSM, yo, um quite yet next week and so so we'll uh, still we'll be virtual next week but yeah. you know what uh, we had no technical difficulties really today you know Don't knock on wood no, holy shit dude fuck up, we're gonna dude. have a terrible no, bonus episode <laughs> yes yeah exactly it's gonna be it's gonna be remarkably shitty um but let's do preview um let's do preview next week yeah right so, so that way kids can play along at home absolutely so coming in at 420 we have earth wind and fire that's the way of the world after that, we got 419, uh, Eric Church's album, Chief. 418, we have Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Jimmy <laughs> loves that fucking soul. Uh, yeah. You can't wait to listen to it again. Can't wait. At 417 next week, we have Ornette Coleman, The Shape of Jazz to Come from 1959. Banger. Interesting. 416, we have The Roots, Things Fall Apart. Fuck you, banger. Yeah. That's 
that album, I'm super excited. So JB has never heard Things Fall Apart from The Roots. And yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait to talk about that album next week because that's a that's an album I've listened to a ton. It's probably my favorite album from The Roots. And that's going to be an unpopular opinion because The Roots have a fucking deep, deep catalog. But for me, man, I love, I love me some Things Fall Apart. So nice. super excited well, about talking about that next week. I'm amped. Um, yeah. Now uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll, um, we'll kill the stream. And then um, for those of you that are listening at, uh, or for those of you that would like to interact with the show, uh, we would love for you to interact with us. You can send us an email to this sucks at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice message. If you go to www.anchor.fm forward slash this sucks, or uh, get with us on Facebook, get with us on Instagram and Damn it, JB's dude. What? We didn't read any of Rex's thoughts today. Oh, then read them. Let's read them right now. Okay. Yeah, let's absolutely read I'm gonna them. I'm going to pull them because, up. Because we're also working on some more um, guests that we're going to bring on to the show, and we're super excited about that. And one of those guests that we're working on right now is Rex. So let's let's talk. JB, go for it. What did he have And to you know what? Rex only sent us his thoughts yesterday. Usually he was like two weeks ahead, so you got to pick weeks it up. Weeks ahead of us, yeah, you got to yeah. pick it up. Okay, so I do want to read Rex's thoughts because Rex always has some great insight that we really appreciate. So, Paul Simon, he says, a classic American folk record, storytelling lyrics, beautiful guitar playing, and full of melodies that make a snowy day not so bad, and we need that here in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> it's clearly vintage, Paul Simon. Great album, and I can't agree with him more on all yeah. those topics. Yeah. So with Beck's Odelay, Rex says, always been a fan of Beck, especially his early work takes me back to high school. A nice stroll back in time. Great production work. His style works on all the tracks. The arrangement on new pollution is a cacophony of instruments from flute to sax, and they all just work so well together. All of the production works on this album. Love it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, solid. Right we, we pretty much agreed with everything he said there. What did he say about Yola Tango? I'm Yola Tango. Clearly, clearly an ambience album put on when it's time to relax and read a book. See, I don't know about that for me. It would be too <laughs> distracting for me. You know? It would be too distracting for me too. <laughs> but he says this album is so, so good. Tracks like Damage, Stockholm Syndrome, and Green Arrow all have great instrumentals. Extremely easy to listen if you're looking for an oral escape. Oral being A-U-R-A-L. So. Damn. Another 10-cent word from the man. Yeah. Beautiful. Marvin Gaye, he says, Yes, I love the classic sound of 70s R&B. Fantastic arrangement. He has great strength in his voice. Fantastic range. I think we might be getting to the point in the list where there aren't as many shit albums as there once was some 40 albums ago. And he's not hes not wrong, although I'm sure there's plenty of shit to come. So don't worry. I, that's what I was just going to say. Don't count, your, don't count your eggs before they hatch, little buddy. Yes. Okay, he actually likes Ari Lar a lot by MIA. He says, I know what everyone is thinking. What the hell is with this album? <laughs> this album, <laughs> I've dug for 15 years, he said. It's my goddamn jam with extra berries on top, he says, in caps. She's rapping in motherfucking Tamil. What? <laughs> it's bold, 
praiseworthy, has grimy dance beats, outstanding. Still in love with this album. Dude, we got to make a note to talk with. I, I want to get. I want to get like that nuanced view whenever we do bring Rex onto the show, because I want to talk with him about how he found MIA, like what drew him into MIA. I want to. I want to hear that story. Yeah, because I don't know a lot of people that really know this album. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, Rex, we'll, thank you. Always yeah, thank you, Rex. Absolutely, Always a pleasure to hear your thoughts. So, um, so yeah, get uh, send us an email, um, send us a message on Anchor. You can also connect with us on social on Insta, and we're also trying to put together a website so that way we can, I don't know, sell you stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just fucking with you. No, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're gonna sell you um, stuff. Listen, always a pleasure. Um, we appreciate everybody for listening and um, tell your friends about us. That way we can get more people to listen and more interactions. And we would certainly appreciate week, that. Yeah. And follow us on social media. We really do appreciate it. it. It actually does help. I know it seems like a simple little dumb thing to do, um, but, it, you know, it does help. Algorithms are, are real. <laughs> and uh, so if you <laughs> you know if you send us, a, you know, give us a subscribe on YouTube, it really helps. So we'll be back shortly here with a bonus episode. And today we're talking about another snub record. We're talking about My Morning Jacket this week, specifically My Morning Jacket's debut record, The Tennessee Fire. So, Absolutely. So we will see you guys in a little bit, and we'll see you next week. So thanks, everybody. Bye. This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks.